0: I'm Rebecca King Ferraro.
1: And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance.
0: This week we are joined by festival choreographer and San Francisco ballet dancer Miles Thatcher and his collaborators for his new ballet, Otherness costume designer sylvie Rood and non-binary artist kirsch brands this episode was recorded from a live meet the artist event before the opening of miles's new ballet at the unbound festival at san francisco ballet for more live content like this from these events please check out san francisco ballet's podcast network on itunes stay tuned to conversations on dance as we continue to bring you more coverage of the unbound festival at san francisco ballet
2: Arrangements up here and as you all figure out your seating arrangements in the auditorium, I want to briefly welcome you to tonight's Meet the Artist talk and to the opening of Unbound B. Tonight we are really pleased that our Meet the Artist conversation is going to be hosted by former Miami City ballet dancers Rebecca Ferraro and Michael Breeden of the Conversations on Dance podcast. You will be able to hear a recording of this conversation both on their podcast and on San Francisco Ballet's podcasts shortly, probably within the week or so. Um, tonight we are really pleased that they'll be speaking with choreographer and San Francisco Ballet dancer Miles Thatcher and with two members of his creative team for his new ballet Otherness, which is premiering tonight, Kirsch Brands and Sylvie Rood. So I am going to turn this over to these guys. And again, thank you all so much for being here tonight.
0: Hi everyone, good evening and welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Unbound B. Thank you to San Francisco Ballet for having us here. We're delighted to be able to bring you these conversations direct from the festival. And we know last night was a wonderful evening and we're really looking forward to what's to come tonight.
1: Yeah, how many of you came last night? Wow. Nice. Great. Great Great It's a weekend
0: of ballet. I love
1: it. (laughs) Yeah. So last night we had uh, a wonderful way to kick off the festival, three premieres. And this evening is going to be completely different with three more premieres. And we are so lucky to have this team to talk with us about the first ballet to give it some context. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) So uh, we wanna get to know all three of you first a little bit. So Miles, can you tell us a little bit about how you got interested in choreography and how you hone your craft while continuing to be a full-time dancer with San Francisco Ballet?
3: Sure. Um, So uh, as you've said, I'm a dancer here at the ballet. um, And I came in through the trainee program, which is the top level of our school. And we had a kind of a choreographic workshop, which they still have every year and um that's when i started choreographing and i've just kind of been going every ever since which has been great uh this is my i think third um bigger piece for the company um so it's really uh, i feel like i have a really special relationship with all of the dancers where um, i know them and trust them and i think they all understand me and where i'm coming from so um, we can i think it allows me to make take a little bit more risks and make work that uh, I, I might not know if it will work or not. Um, but I think this one ends up working out. Uh, but yeah, so I think that's a really special relationship I have with them.
0: Is it ever hard to be their boss when they're also your friends and coworkers?
3: Actually, not so much. I think, yeah, I, it, it's funny, because sometimes we'll get in a situation where um, they, since they know me and care about me, they'll feel an extra added pressure to, please me as a choreographer but also me as a friend and yeah. person and that co-worker yeah. yeah so and I'm like oh no it's okay if you screw it like you know I <laughs> understand yeah yeah so but it's it's really yeah I, I I trust them a lot and I um I really treasure them All Right. uh Sylvie
1: I have a question for you hey down there
3: <laughs> so you were
1: a dancer yourself as well here with the San Francisco Ballet yes uh at what point did you develop an interest in fashion and costume design and how did you sort of transition into that?
4: Sure. Um, I think that my love for costume and fashion, it came from dance, obviously. Um, When I was here, you know, I did some great roles in full-length ballets as well as some contemporary pieces. And putting on that costume, that's when the transformation happens. And I think as an artist, the way to express oneself um, is through your art form and for me, as that, that was how I did it. And um, putting on that costume, I became a different person. Um, I could play something else other than just myself. And that was a really fun component, you know? And I think that's how I got into costume, and I love that transformative element to it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: So <laughs> over I over the mic. <laughs> I also went to school and was in the company with Sylvie. And first of all, she was just always outfitted so perfectly every day when she was in the company. Um, and she also made the most epic Halloween costume. She was a sushi ah. roll one year, <laughs> and, I, it, and it was just like this really adorable like tube skirt dress with like a little, I don't know, it was just great. So she's always had this like impeccable sense of styling and fashion. and dressing bodies ever since I've known her. I
0: think we're going to have to find a photo of that. Oh, yes, you do. (laughs) Check our Instagram later for that. Um, So Kirsch, can you please tell us how you became involved in this work and in what capacity? Oh, sure. Um,
5: Well, hi, everybody. Um, I'm Kirsch Brands. I'm a non-binary artist based in San Francisco. Uh, Does anyone know what the word non-binary is? Who's heard that word before? I Hold on, hold on. I'm so proud of you, oh my gosh, okay. So, thank you. Okay, so, um, so I met Miles, what is it now? Seven, seven years ago? And uh, one of the things that I do as an artist is that I'm a photographer And I met Miles photographing him for the New Meyer Little Mermaid production that they had here several, several years ago. And I just thought his hair was fabulous. I was jealous. I thought it was beautiful. He could dance, everything was amazing. You know, I can't dance. I dance in the shower, and I dance when I find out the outfit I'm wearing. I dance when nobody harasses me on the street and says that I'm too gay or too queer or too whatever, whatever, whatever. But when I met Miles, I just felt like I had met another part of my heart in a way. So sweet. <laughs> and um, uh, I mean, I mean that sincerely because he just, when you know Miles Thatcher's work, you see Miles in everything that he touches. Like every movement has this tenderness, has this vulnerability to it that is so definitively you. And I am really excited because I have not seen this since September. So for me, I was like, oh no, is my outfit giving away the reveal? Uh, And they were like, no, you're fine. You should have worn the better pants. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, guys, you didn't paint my nails. But the point is, uh, I'm here because Miles, I think, challenges what our experiences are. And he asks, well, what should they be? Or what do you want them to be? What do you want to see? And pushes us to explore what's outside that. So I'm just excited to see where that goes.
3: Should I say a little something else? You want. Okay. Yes, um, also, uh, the, the piece you're about to see, Otherness, is um, I really wanted to explore the idea of binaries and labels in human society, specifically binaries as in uh, Things that require this or that and not and and both Um, and uh, kirsch is a really vocal um, obviously uh, uh, um, amazingly um, proud advocate for the lgbt community um, and specifically trans and non-binary people and uh, these are all topics i really wanted to uh, look at with this ballet so i was kind of like hey kirsch (laughs) Can you help me out with this? Because <laughs> I identify as a you know as a cis male, so I also understand that I don't have the full view of things. But um, also, I think you know, from gender aside, there are a lot of other ways that we can connect to binaries or not connect to binaries. And even just in like our current political climate, being you, you know, you either have to be 100% this or that, or else you'll be. You know tarred and feathered and and or even just like this us and them foreign and native american and and everyone else' yeah. it's things like this that I just really wanted to make a uh, explore ballet has traditionally
1: held such strict gender roles. when did you first start to question whether that was
3: necessary or right I mean, I think my whole life I've questioned whether that's necessary or right, like I'm wearing. For those of you who are listening on the podcast, I'm wearing, um, like, pink shorts that is, there's a three-piece suit that comes with this, you know. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but even, you know, I think, I think I was um, always growing up, I was never fit the, you know, ticked the boxes for the standard male specimen, I guess. Like, I was never into sports, which is, but I was, you know, athletic and a non-competitive, and... So that's kind of how I got into dance, and I've very, very lucky to. My dad's in the audience, you guys, so I have to just give him a shout out. I yeah, Aww. yay, Bill. <laughs> um, I'm very lucky to have supportive parents who let me explore all sides of myself, um, and uh, you know, growing up as a you know fat gay kid in Pennsylvania, <laughs> there, and I think actually most people have the experience in middle school of, of. Um, just being bullied or being pressured to bully others. Like I think, I think there's a lot of um, us and them mentality that's just inherently uh, in our society. And I think ballet was actually a really great way for me to escape all of that. I went to the Herod Conservatory when I was 15, so I was with kind of other kids who wanted to work hard for the thing that they loved to do and didn't get the other stuff in the way. Um, so I feel really just fortunate for all of that background, but. I think, even, you know, I think even the fact that in ballet we have two very different techniques, depending if you're male or female, um, because women obviously train to be on point and men don't, and men are trained to lift women and do certain steps, and we have men's class and women's class, which um, I totally understand is part of what we do and the history of what we do, um, but I also think uh, there's room to see male and female Power in different ways, which I think our current climate, I, I think we, we are exploring and have, have explored a bit in choreography, but um, uh, it's just something that I, I really feel passionate about keeping on carving out this uh, idea of what a, what a man is in classical ballet and what a woman should be. So um, you'll see tonight, you'll see one of our two lead characters in this story, and so Max is dancing tonight identifies as male and uh, Lauren Strongin is dancing on Wednesday who um, will do I think nearly every step is exactly the same but she's on point and all of the partnering is the same uh, so she's lifting her partner and Max is being lifted and it's it's just been a really fun and different way to look at how to create work in the studio I mean I, I think a lot of it selfishly was to see what my biases were based on the dancer's gender and um, and how I could rely on just kind of throwing a woman around, you know, like, right. like having these beautiful lists with women and blah, 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 you know, and not accessing a certain part of their strength. And same with, with men and not accessing a certain part of their tenderness and um, um, uh, softness and ability to, uh, tell a story in a different way. So I I think this was was just a really interesting way to kind of neutralize the thing that we're doing. Right. Yeah.
0: So what is it about the way that the three of you see the world and see art that makes you work so well together to create this piece?
3: Anyone of you? Do do any (laughs) of us know that?
5: (laughs) I forgot what I was going to say, and it was brilliant. I think that um, there's something about, you know, living outside expectations that everyone can relate to or sort of living up to what people say you should be. Um, And Miles and Sylvia are just like such a really organic pairing that her brilliance comes through as a dancer and also as a designer. And then she takes Miles' ideas of pushing the envelope and looking at something that we can't see yet and then defining it I'm just here to say that's great. Keep going. <laughs> make it brighter, make it faster, or or make it more tender because when we are vulnerable, that is the story that I want to read. That is the person I want to talk to. Because that part of ourselves, that truth that says you have to fit into one or two and nothing else. Well, what is that? Where does that take us? So, to see that explored is just such a a thrill, is such an honor to see that. So, I mean, Sylvie, do you want, yeah, no? Yeah.
4: I mean, I could just say a little something because I thought that was brilliantly said. Um, but I think we're all just open and we really just want to have a conversation and see where that goes. And I think that's what, um, I think mo- all the choreographers are doing here. We're having a conversation and we want to push the boundaries of what we have right now and yeah.
1: So miles, I have a question for you about the choreographic process um, since you oh no, <laughs> it's not a trick um, since you knew that the role was going to be danced by one male one female dancer, were you splitting your time uh, in the creative process between them or did you still have to work with
3: the first group first and then sort of mold it to your second cast no i I really we all worked in the studio as four, as five, five, me, I guess, <laughs> yeah, um, all together. And, and I think the brilliant thing about how I was saying I could trust these dancers, the b- brilliant thing about these dancers is there, I think, I suspect there was a lot of work um, between them without even me being part of the discussion, as in they really have taken ownership of this role that we call protagonist. This is kind of like an, ab- a surrealist story that you'll see tonight, and we have one lead role, the protagonist, which is that Max and Lauren character, and then we have a friend from the other group that you'll see who's terribly clumsy, um, and that's danced by Sean Orza and uh, Vitora Louise. Um, and so, I, you know, the first thing that I did with my dancers is sat everyone down for a half an hour, an hour, and basically told them the story that I wanted to tell. And I think I hadn't even finished developing it because I also wanted to kind of figure out what organically right. was going to happen um, and showed them all of these brilliant mood boards that Sylvie made kind of um, uh, encapsulating this pink and blue idea that we had to represent two separate groups and all of these kind of 1950s motifs is, and that's when pink and blue was starting to be we're starting to be gendered colors um, basically you know feeding kids the idea of if you're a girl, you want pink, and you want Barbies, and you want this in pink. And if you're a boy, you want trucks, and you want you know. So, so there's that's where um, uh, Sylvie's idea of adorning everybody in swim caps and sunglasses also came in, um, which I'll talk more about later if we have time. But you'll also just get it if you see the thing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think uh, really I sat everyone down, told them what I wanted to do, um, and we just had kind of just discovery altogether of what was possible uh, because I hadn't worked like in this way before. Um, And so Max and Lauren were really open to, you know, Lauren was really open. She was just kind of like, okay, how do I lift you? You know, like exploring, (laughs) partnering in a new way. And and same with Max, you know, by the end, he was like, okay, I think I'm ready to lift somebody else now because he had been, you know, he's been being lifted more than he's used to by Sean Orza, who's massively strong, so not that Max is a big guy, but you, you know, whatever, I'm digging myself in a hole here. But uh, uh, yeah, so it was really, I think for all of us, it was just a new way to work and, and really enlightening and really kind of just a fun new space to play in.
0: Uh, Sylvie, can you tell us a little bit about the imagery that Miles had in mind and maybe you developed with him and how you put that together on stage in your costumes, maybe with the sunglasses and swim caps? Yeah. <laughs>
4: Um, So, Miles called me up and told me his idea and, you know, all the things, and I was a little overwhelmed for a second, (laughs) because, I mean, it's a big topic, you know, and and I really wanted to explore this with him in the right way, and so um, I thought about it, and first thing that I like to do when I design something is to find the mood and the ambiance that's going to happen, and through that, I created a collage of images and colors, to really set the scene. And so it's supposed to be what the feel is going to be. Um, Not necessarily style or design details in that way. That comes way later. It's really the um, essence of what we want. So I think I sent you a lot. (laughs) And then he sent it to me. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I sent probably a little um, too many. But um, I yeah, we narrowed it down, and we figured out what we wanted to do in that. And in one picture, there's um, uh, this couple or two people, and they have these very bizarre swim caps on, and when I was drawing the figures, when I was like starting to make designs, they had these swim caps, and so it really came out very naturally, and we wanted to create this bizarre, eclectic, weird world, and through that, um, we wanted to really hide like the humanity and um, the features that make someone a female and a male. So that's where you, know, you can't see their eyes. And once that's gone, you really lose a lot of emotion and you don't realize how much you miss that until they take the glasses off. Yeah, and um, especially <laughs> on stage when you're sitting far away.
5: <laughs> oh. Just adding to Kirsch
4: has some glasses on right now, for those listening. Um, yeah, so it was pretty organic, I think.
1: Kirsch, have you always been a fan of ballet? At what point did you get brought into this process?
5: Yes. (laughs) I love. I mean, I loved to dance as a kid. I um. I I was. I mean, also fun fact: we both grew up in Pennsylvania, as uh, you know, sad, artistic, queer little kids, um, who were like, "I need more than this," and then we came here. Um, That's a whole other artist talk. We'll do next time. Um, I love ballet very much. And it's one of those things that if I could, I would. I always struggled because of my gender expression and like because of how I felt I had to conform to either feminine or masculine. I always struggled with my own strength. So I'm sure even now I'm sitting here and I'm like, stop slouching, stop slouching, because after 20 or 25 years of hiding my body that was so outwardly feminine, and so defined by my breasts and defined by my hips, I was inward. So to see ballet and to see what Miles is doing with it now and taking it forward is so exciting because we talked at length about the physicality of what it felt like for me, like, and I had top surgery and you can see the scars through my shirt. Um, It was the best decision of my life. It was a chance for me to open my body for the first time and actually be okay. So to see the peace with Miles, with everyone lifting, regardless of their assigned sex at birth, with everybody lifting and being open and celebrating their bodies regardless of that, is uh, like a breath of fresh air. And I feel that so physically and I know that you know, I know that dancers feel that too because you feel that exhaustion and then to feel that relief when you get like a oh, really, really good move and a stretch and everything goes into place. Like your costumes and your, I've, it's brilliant. Like you, I don't need to wax poetic, but you know. So it's just like, by the way, you can't hear anything in the swim caps. Can't hear anything. Oh.
3: Um, <laughs> I have just one little thing to add to that. Just right. how you were oh, talking yeah. about oh, yeah. Um, how how your top surgery has affected your posture? Um, that's something I was I was just really touched by and inspired by. And you'll see in uh, as we have these pink and blue groups on stage, you'll see their their stances and their postures completely different. Um, one is uh, very kind of proud looking and chest forward, and the other always kind of keeps this hunched over quality. So that that was just another way that Kirsch has kind of like helped me shape. Um, trying to 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 polarize these two groups yeah, of and like dancers to, yeah trying to put
5: in trying to like put into a physical motion that feeling of being otherized that feeling of having to hide versus that feeling of being told like yes you are valid you exist i celebrate you like that's you know that's that's incredible to
0: see so thank you for that
3: thank you for that
0: So we wanted to open up the floor to some questions now, and um, if anybody has any for these great artists. Right here. Yes.
1: There, there are two questions for Kirsch. The first is, can they tell us more about their art? And the second is, um, who designed the jacket?
5: I wish I knew about this jacket. I got it two days ago when I was worried I had nothing to wear to this event. And it has triangles on it and it's black and white and looks great with neon green, so I picked it out. Thank you, oh, that means so much. Um, I also really liked it because the triangles make me think of the AIDS activism that happened with stand-up uh, fight AIDS with the pink triangle, which is also a symbol of like queer rights movements. Um, and then your second question was, what do I do as an artist? For 13 plus years, I've been a photographer. Uh, I've drawn and done visual art my whole life um, and grew up thinking that being an artist had no value. Like, I literally just realized that's the opposite, like last week. And it's huge. Yeah, I know. Thumbs up for real. There's someone in the audience. They're fabulous. They're giving me a thumbs up for everyone listening. But, um,. Primarily my work right now is I'm a photographer and I have a portrait series called The Pride and Joy Project that focuses on increasing visibility and social equity for queer parents, specifically queer women, transgender parents, and non-binary parents, because in larger LGBTQ um, family groups, because of deeply rooted sexism and misogyny and transphobia in the world, those voices get swept under the rug. So to focus on that and celebrate their joy in a way that shows our authentic, everyday moments is something I've been working on for four years. Um, And I'm writing a book and I'm about to host a podcast called Still Here, Still Queer.
4: Yes!
5: I raise my fist in the air, everyone who's listening. And um, yeah, I'm I'm just trying to continue to validate my sense of identity and myself and my identity every way and collaborating with Sylvia and Miles and SF Ballet is literally a dream come true. Like I don't know if I'm still sitting here, so you just tell me if I fall into the orchestra pit. (laughs) I won't, I'll try not to.
0: We have another question right here in front.
1: So, so the question is that uh, Miles is so familiar with these dancers here, he has such a wonderful relationship with them. If these works were to have a, a life at a different company or with a different group of dancers, how would he go about that? Would you adapt some of the,
3: the, um, cor- some of the choreography? Yeah, I think um, even, even resetting work on different dancers here, I am um, I'm, I'm most concerned about making everybody feel comfortable and organic in the right way, that fits into the kind of whole mold of the thing, but I'm, I'm not so tied to the details. Um, so I think I think in a lot of cases, like story and emotional cues are more important to me than the technicalities of some steps. Um, and I think the hardest part uh, going to work with other companies is really getting to know getting to know the answers in order to find the thing that unlocks them in order to give their best foot forward, if you will. Um, but that's also kind of some of the most exciting work that happens. Yeah. Um, I Yeah, I have reset a work that I set on the San Francisco Ballet Dancers called Body of Your Dreams that we did in a gala in Mexico um, on, jo- on Joffrey Ballet in Chicago. Um, and it's, yeah, I, I mean, seeing it, I think it's also... Uh, for me, I have to stay open to seeing it in a different way with each cast because something new comes to it. But it, but it's really exciting because even with this ballet, seeing Max dance and seeing Lauren dance, or I guess you know Max and Sean and Lauren and Vitor dance, it it reads completely differently. And and they're both valid ways, and I'm in love with both of the casts. Like I think they're both really achieving what we set out to do, but it's not going to be the same. So there's kind of just like these little parallel universes that branch out. Um, but I think as long as we kind of keep the integrity and the heart honest, uh, it works for me. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think we have time for one more right here. So the question was, how did you go about selecting the music for this piece?
3: Um, so the music is Absolute Jest by John Adams, which was actually commissioned for San Francisco Symphony a few years ago. Um, and it was, so the piece is nuts. It's, if you guys know John Adams, it's like, it, screw counts. It's, you know, it's, it's all very minimalist. Um, but what's kind of special about this one is he quotes a lot of previous composers, like there's a lot of Beethoven quotes. There's, um, there are parts that feel very Stravinsky-esque. Um, so uh, I knew that th- this piece needed a narrative, because it was so abstract that if I put abstract on abstract, the audience would be like, what are you trying to do with this? Um, so I, yeah, so basically, I mean, I guess what happened, I, I, like I knew I wanted to try this concept about gender at some point in my career, and I had no idea it would be this soon, um, and I was kind of deciding between this music and this other piece of music, which I actually don't even remember what it was, and I, I was like lukewarm about, but I knew it would be like a safe thing, and I was like, oh, yeah, I could make something pretty to this. Um, Um, and then I, you know, I was kind of like, Martin was like, you know, there's a deadline to this. You're going to start in two weeks. You have to pick a music. And I was like, oh. So I had a massage one day, and I, like, went in the studio and just put the music in the loudspeakers because I had just listened to it on my headphones. And, um, it just all kind of clicked, and I got really excited and went and, like, told my best friend Sasha and, you know, like, and, and, uh, and I think, um, what's really interesting is that, um, the music was built before this narrative, so um, it, was a, it was a little bit of a... Actually, it wasn't a challenge to fit this narrative in, it just felt right. Like, it always just feels right to me. Um, and so, you know, watching it, um, I think it really also fed me what the narrative needed. There's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of happier themes through the music that feel joyous, um, and then there's a lot of like underlying dissonance. And then John Adams kind of like skews that joyous theme to so it's, it's e- even more incessant and nagging and neurotic. And I think I just, I love neurosis in music, so that was also another <laughs> thing. Um, yeah, so it was it's really fun to work with. Nightmare for the dancers because if you see a counts list, it's like reciting pie, like it doesn't make <laughs> sense. But um, they did a really good job of uh, keeping it in their bodies and learning it quickly, and yeah.
1: Really happy Well, we have to let these guys go and get, you know, really nervous before the premiere in, in 25 minutes. So uh, thank you all for coming out. And thank, thank you guys you. so much for joining us.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Stay tuned to more from San Francisco Ballet's Unbound Festival. Subscribe now on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode has been sponsored by San Francisco Ballet.